0: In the footsteps of Jesus from down under. Welcome to the program. This is Nick Kurita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again. And I have the privilege to introduce to you a dear guest. And please stay with us because you'll be amazed by his story. His name is Dr. Joe Kidder. And originally from the city of Nineveh in Iraq. Dr. Joseph has an amazing testimony on how he became a Christian and a pastor. Following more than 20 years of successful pastoral work, he has been teaching now at Andrews University. He travels extensively, teaching people and churches how to have a vibrant and authentic walk with Jesus. Dr. Joe, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. I'm very happy to be with you. I could not
0: resist, but... Just invite you when I uh, I saw you the other day here in Adelaide, holding a series of seminars and talks there. And I thought uh, I must have you with us on the radio. And thank you very much for accepting our invitation.
1: It's an honor for me. And I also wanted to tell you I love being at this city. It's a very beautiful city. I went to the beach, to the mountains. And the weather is fantastic. I understand it's a little bit cooler than average, but I am enjoying it. I came from Michigan, where it's about zero degree, and the wind makes it even about minus 10, but here it's just, has been fantastic for me.
0: That's wonderful. I mean, just because we are limited uh, with time for this section here, I would like to hear as much as I can uh, from your story. As I mentioned uh, at the beginning, you grew up in uh, Nineveh. Yes. Seems like you are a convert of... Jonah?
1: Yes, I am the product of Jonah. (laughs) Actually, at the heart of the city of Musa was the grave of Jonah. And every year during the month of March, all of the people who live in the state of Nineveh are supposed to fast and pray and repent for three days and three nights.
0: And uh, what brought you, first of all, here to to Adelaide?
1: I came here to do a, a seminar on church growth for the Adventist Church. And I have been here about four days, I have enjoyed it immensely. I met a lot of lovely people. You have just a very, very friendly city, friendly people here.
0: And we also like to know that the city of churches, that's how we call it. Pastor, I would like to call you pastor, because this is, you know, I mean, I know you you have a doctorate uh, and that's great, but uh, you enjoy to do pastoral work.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: I would like to hear from you, what's your story? How do you become a Christian? You're coming from a Muslim world?
1: No, I did not come from a Muslim background. Okay. I came from a secular background.
0: Okay. Now, would you like to share a bit of your uh, background and tell us your story?
1: Yes. Uh, we uh, come from the city of Nineveh, and today it's called Mosul, but my father, uh, who was a businessman, decided to move his businesses from Nineveh or Mosul to Baghdad to expand them. And one day I was playing soccer with my cousin and my cousin said, I don't want to play this anymore. Let's go for a walk. We're new to this city. Let's go and explore it. And we took a walk and we came to the Adventist Church. In Iraq, you cannot do any form of evangelism. But the pastor of this church was creative, so he wanted to show a movie about the life of Christ. And he have an advertisement on a piece of paper, very, very small, like five by seven. Uh, and it just says, come and watch the movie about the life of Christ. My cousin saw this ad, and he looked at me and he said, we really don't have anything to do. Let's go in and watch the movie. Maybe we will learn something in you. And we went into the church, we sat down, and um, I saw Jesus on the screen. I saw His teaching, His miracles. I, I saw His life, death, and resurrection, and I was moved, and I fell in love with Jesus. So at the end of the movie, I went to the pastor, and I asked him if I could learn more about Jesus. So we started a Bible study, that lasted approximately four months, and my love, my appreciation for Jesus increased. I just, uh, the more I read the Bible, the more I fell in love with Him. Uh, what a great God, what a great Savior, who valued our lives by the value of His life, and came to this earth, became one of us, went all the way to the cross and died for us. And I really appreciated these Bible studies very, very much. And one day, I went to the church to have another Bible study, but we didn't. The pastor said to me, you have been coming here for several months now. It's time for you to make a decision for Jesus. Well, that was very hard because I grew up in a culture. If you change your faith, they persecute you, they ostracize you. They shun you. They might even kill you. And I didn't want any of that stuff to happen to me. So I quit the Bible study. But the, but the Lord never gave up on me. I, I just felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit every day. Go back, have another Bible study, learn more about Jesus. Finally, I surrendered to this prompting of the Spirit. Praise the Lord, I did. And I went back again to the church for another Bible study. And this time we had a Bible study on the Ten Commandments. I really didn't have any problem with the Ten Commandments. I knew that we have to keep them. I only have a problem with one of them. And that was the fourth one, which is about um, obeying God by being faithful to Him and keeping His Seventh-day Sabbath holy. The Bible study was very simple. He said, God kept the Sabbath. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Uh, the disciples kept the Sabbath. We're going to keep it in heaven. Why don't we keep it today? That made perfect sense. My problem was that the day off in Iraq is Friday and everybody is forced to go to school and to work on the Sabbath. So I said, I, I would never have any future I would never be able to finish my school, would never be able to have a job. So I, I left the Adventist Church, and I was very disturbed about this information I learned. So I said, I need to have a second opinion about this. Uh, in Iraq, uh, we usually have Orthodox and Catholic and few Protestant. So I decided to go and visit with... Um, uh, First, I visited with an Orthodox pastor. After I explained to him my dilemma, he lifted up the Bible, and he said, if you go by the Bible, you need to keep the seven-day Sabbath holy. I was not happy with this man at all. That's not what I wanted to hear from him. Interestingly enough, uh, several pockets of the Orthodox Church in the Middle East either keep the Sabbath or believe in keeping it. So a few weeks later, I went and visited with a Catholic priest. He said, we changed the day, but I wanted to have a, a, a biblical answer. So a few weeks later, I went and visited with a Protestant pastor from the Presbyterian Church, who told me, I have been struggling with this issue. He have been studying this issue, and he said, I have come to the conclusion that we really need to keep the seven-day Sabbath. He have read a book called, the great controversy, and that's how he came to know about uh, the law of God and the importance of keeping it and uh, about the uh, seven-day Sabbath and how it's very relevant for our time today. Well, I, I did not go and visit with any other pastor after that because I felt like they all are going to tell me the same thing. So I said to myself, what difference does it make? Just pick a day and worship God on it. But the Lord reminded me that we are in the mess we are in, in sin everywhere. Because two people said, what difference does it make whether we eat out of this tree or that tree? They all are trees. It's not about the tree. When God told Adam and Eve to be faithful and not to eat out of a particular tree, it was because He wanted to have them show obedience and faithfulness. To him. And that's really what all all of these things was all about. Uh, keeping the law of God is about being faithful to God, showing how much we love him. That's what he said. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And uh, th- the same thing with the seventh day Sabbath keeping. Well, during that time, I graduated from high school. And in Iraq, they have a system. You graduate from high school with a certain GPA you are eligible to take another exam. And if you do very well at this exam, especially in the 90 percentile, you could go to any college of your choice for free. I studied very, very hard. And then I went and took the exam and I scored high enough to go to the School of Engineering for free for four years. I wanted to be an engineer from the day I was born. Not because I have any passion for engineering. They just make more money than anybody else. (laughs) And I really wanted to have a secure life. But it was not a good thing for me because for a whole year, I did not feel any need for God. I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. Hardly ever prayed. Well, fast forward with me to the end of the school year at the university in Baghdad. There was a tradition all of the exams came on one day. It was the seven day Sabbath. You start at nine o'clock and you go to six in the evening and you are done. Well, the Sunday before that, there was something very unusual happened. My mother was a casual Christian, but she did go to church a few times a year, Christmas and Easter. But because that Sunday before my final exams, there was a big celebration at her church. She wanted to go. But it was hard to go when you are not in the habit of going. So she came to me and begged me to go to church with her. I came up with every excuse. Mom, I have to study my exams coming up in a few days. But she kept insisting. And finally, I don't know whether it was to please her or to get her off my back. I said, fine. We went to the church, the church was full, the Orthodox Church, and they went through one hour of liturgy, and then the pastor came down, and he said, my heart is troubled. I woke up in the middle of the night, God woke me up, and uh, he gave me a new message for you. And the new message is on martyrdom, which really means dying for Jesus. I was kind of disappointed. I, I, I said, I don't want to hear a sermon on death. I, I want to hear a sermon on hope or faith. But that sermon actually changed my life. Mm. I want to read for you the text that the pastor used for that sermon. Sure. It's from Matthew chapter 19, verses 27 to 29. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, We have let all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And really, this is the main text. And everyone who has left houses. Jesus saying, that sometimes when you follow me, you have to leave your house. Sometimes you have to leave your brothers, your sisters, your father, your mother, your wife, your husband, your children, your lands, your bank account, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundred times and inherit eternal form. And the pastor said, out of love for us, Jesus left heaven became one of us, went all the way to the cross and died for us. Shouldn't we, out of love for Him, do the same? And according to this text, the disciples left their homes, their moms and dads. The issues I was struggling with, to follow Jesus, they are our example. We need to do the same. And as the pastor was talking, I just felt the presence of God in such a way I have never felt it before. I felt he was inside of me, all around me. And I started to cry, and I determined in my heart that I would follow Jesus no matter what. The worship service was over, so I said to my mom, You go home, and I will, fo- I, will, I will see you there later. And I started walking on the streets of Baghdad, filled with fear of what would happen to me if I follow Jesus. Five hours later, I ended up being at the home of the seven-day Adventist pastor. I told him about my decision to follow Jesus. And I told him about my fears. He said, let me tell you a story. And then he told me the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is told in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. And then he said, think about it this way. Those three friends prayed that God will deliver them from the fire. The king asked them to bow down and worship him. And they refused. So King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm going to throw you into the furnace of fire. And they refused to do that. They said to him, we know our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, it's okay. So they threw them into the furnace of fire. They prayed that God will deliver them. But God, in his wisdom, decided to deliver them, not from the fire, but in the fire. Mm. And because God delivered them in the fire, they had the greatest worship experience of their lives. Jesus showed up, and they worshipped Him. And because God delivered them in the fire, they experienced the power of God. The the Bible tells us the people who threw them into the fire, God evaporated. Nothing happened to them. And then, because God delivered them in the fire, they became an inspiration to all of us. And then he, He said to me, God is speaking to your heart. You need to make a decision for him. So I said, I want to. So he said, pray after me. And I gave my heart to Jesus at that moment. A decision I never, ever regretted. And then he said to me, it's time for you to get baptized. I said, yes, I want to. He said, let's do it next Sabbath. As I was leaving, he said, I'm going to get the whole church to pray for you, that God will deliver you from the fire. But be prepared to go into the fire. The following Sabbath came. Exams 9, baptism 1130. I woke up at 5 o'clock, and I heard a voice saying, You have a broken thousands of Sabbaths before. One more is not going to make much difference. But then I heard the voice of God saying to me, Just trust in me. I will take you through. I will deliver you. And then I heard the other voice saying, You don't want to lose a whole year just because of a few hours. But then I heard the voice of God saying, It's not about a year, it's about eternity. When we follow Jesus, we have the privilege of spending eternity with Him. I struggle with these two voices all the way from 5 to 11. Finally at 11, God gave me the victory. And I decided to follow him no matter what. So I got out of bed, put some clothes on and ran to the church. The worship service was over. But most of the people were still at the church. So they brought them back in. We had the baptism. I lost a year, but I gained Jesus. I lost the second year for the same reason. And then I was kicked out of the university. When my father saw all of this happening to me, he brought a 100 people from my family. And they all talked me out of being faithful to God. But then when my father saw that I was not going to change my mind, he took off his shoes and threw them on me. And a hundred people started beating on me. I finally became unconscious. I was bleeding and they threw me out on the street. But God spared my life. A few hours later, I came back to consciousness. And I said, Lord, I feel the whole world is against me. He said, maybe, but I am for you. I said, I lost everything. He said, maybe, but now you got me. And if we have Jesus, it's all what we need. Well, the Lord impressed on my mind to go and take refuge in one of the families of the church who told me that God will make all things to work for good for those who love Him. And then they said to me, go to Middle East College in Beirut, Lebanon, a small college. I couldn't go. It was not accredited. And then the war between the Arab countries and Israel started. And Iraq started to draft people to send them to fight against Israel. And one day I got the letter in the mail saying, I need to report for duty in the army in six weeks. It was a horrible day. My father at that time knew I was alive and living with this family and about the letter I received. So he sent me a letter saying, if you renounce your faith, I'll accept you back home and I'll send you to Europe to study and avoid the army. I was tempted. But praise the Lord for the church who encouraged me to stay faithful to God, prayed for me. And and that's why I'm here, because some people prayed for me. Paul tells us to pray for one another 59 times. When my neighbor, who was my best friend, got a letter similar to the one I got, But he was a little bit older than me, so he went right away to the army. And in less than one week, he was killed. So they had a memorial service for him. And my mom went to that. And she was emotionally moved. So she came to my dad and she said, I don't care. Whatever my son is, I want him back home. It took some convincing. But finally, my dad accepted me back home. First night I was back home, the brother and the cousin who lifted me up so the rush could beat on me, came to me. I said, we need to go for a walk. They forced me. They took me to a park. By the time we got to the park, it was midnight. No people, no light. I was so scared. They held on to me so I would not run away from them. They got to the middle of the park and they stopped. So I said, this is the end. So I just started to pray and give my life into the hands of God. Five minutes, nothing happened. Ten minutes, nothing. Finally, my cousin broke the silence. He said, look, you're either crazy to go through what you went through or you have something we would like to have. So I had the privilege of studying the Bible with my cousin and with my brother. We were there till six in the morning. At six in the morning, my brother gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And my cousin today... It's the pastor of the Adventist Church in Iraq. And because of the ministry of both of them, many members of my family came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and His Savior. Well, I still have to tell you that I am really alive because I decided to follow Jesus. But the family I stayed with, they said, look, if you don't go to study, you have to join the army. You can't study in Iraq. You have to go to Middle East College. And they said, for 40 years, the church had been trying to get Middle East College to be accredited, and they failed. So they said, why don't we pray about it? Let's pray about it. So about 50 people devoted three days of their lives to pray. And the result was, on a Tuesday of that same week, they got the letter from the Minister of Education that Middle East College was accredited. So I went to Middle East College to study, but the civil war started. And uh, somebody said to me, go to Walla Walla College that's in the state of Washington in the United States. When my church had to pray for me for 13 months, prayed once a week on my behalf. And finally, I was able to go to Middle East College to study. I mean, to Walla Walla College to study. I uh, took uh, engineering and then I took theology. I passed it for 21 years. And then for the last 16 years, I have been teaching at the seminary. But 12 years ago, the war between the United States and Iraq started. About 9, 10 years ago, I have a female cousin who went to the United States to do advanced medical training. And she never went back again to Iraq. But about 9 years ago, she decided to go to Iraq to see how our family are doing. And being a female, she felt relatively safe. At least at that time. When she came back, I went to see her. She said, sit down. You will never believe what I'm going to tell you. She said, your mom is praising the Lord for the Sabbath every day. I said, my mom kicked me out of home. She said, your mom is praising the Lord for your faithfulness. And I said, why? She said, you are alive today because you decided to follow Jesus. She said, shortly after you left the country, the war between Iraq and Iran started. One million people died in that war. And then there was a war with Kuwait. And in three wars with the United States. And another million people died. She said, virtually all of the people of your age group are wiped out. But you are alive. I did not know for 38 years that I am alive today because I decided to follow Jesus. My mom got baptized eight years ago. And she died three months after her baptism. I was not there to see her. But I know I will see her in heaven. So I know I lived what the Scripture says in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work for good for those who love Jesus.
0: Would you like to share that uh, text from Absolutely. Romans? Absolutely.
1: Let me share it with you. Romans eight twenty eight, when we know, and the Greek actually is more emphatic. The Greek says, and we are convinced beyond any shadow of that. That all things work together for good to those who love God. I love that text. And I know this is true because I have lived it in all my life.
0: That's amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Pastor Joe, I didn't want to interrupt you, you know, because uh, you have an amazing story. And uh, I know that uh, you are a blessing for many people because you surrender your life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just before uh, we finishing this program, I would like to play a song entitled All to Jesus, I Surrender. Please stay with us. This is In the Footsteps of Jesus from Down Under. We'll come back for conclusion. To him. that was a beautiful song how uh, meaningful that is to, to surrender all our life to Jesus and he will work miracles in our life Amen, Pastor Joe, our time is up but I would like you to leave uh, us with a message, a short uh, message for our listeners what would you like to say to our listeners
1: always be faithful to God No matter what, determine in your heart you will follow Him and be faithful and obedient to Him. And rather than focusing on your problems, focus on the greatness of our God. There are seven stories in the Bible to tell us that God could do the impossible. That's what you need to focus on. In fact, we are promised that if we have faith in Him, we could move mountains. Whatever mountain you are struggling with in your life, whatever difficulty, whatever hindrances. Remember that God is bigger than that. That's what I would like to leave with you. And if you surrender your life to God, I know He will make all things to work for good for you.
0: Thank you very much. May God bless you and uh, wherever you go. Thank you. Uh, we would like to wish you God's blessings and um, yeah, to be able to share this wonderful news, the good news, with many people. To be ready to welcome Jesus. You know, Jesus is at the door, and uh, we are waiting for his second coming. And we are all called to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. God bless you.
1: Thank you.